I thought that it would be appropriate to start off this first episode of The Lost Library with my own story, my own journey of grief. Admittedly, doing so scares me. It's going to require a large amount of vulnerability, of openness, and of honesty. But I think it's appropriate. It's appropriate to share the journey that I've been on and the ways in which grief has impacted my life. So, welcome my friends. Thank you for listening to book one from The Lost Library, a Beyond Morning podcast. I am your librarian, Garrett Drew Ellis. This is chapter one, the 30-year-old letter. So many people know that my story with grief started very young. Um, It started when I was still fairly new to the world, when I was very vulnerable and um, naive to believe that the world was full of rainbows and unicorns and smiles. I was introduced to the fact that that was not true at seven years old. I grew up in Southern Connecticut. Um, Believe it or not, Connecticut does have an inner city. (laughs) Um, But my parents were those who, at the time, kind of made it out of the hood. So we lived in the suburbs, but I was home in South Norwalk um, almost daily. Um, My mother was very close to her family, as was my father, and they had a very large um, friend group. So our center was South Norwalk. When I was seven years old, I think we were coming from a party or dinner or something at my grandmother's house in the projects in Rudin Court. Um, and we had driven um, to another set of projects, Washington Village, um, to pick up my brother. It was my, me, my mother, and my grandmother in the car. So we arrived to the parking lot across the street from my grandmother's home from her apartment and like any other night was preparing to cross the street um, to pick up my brother. I do remember it raining, um, even though if I, I don't know if that was a fact or not, but um, I do remember it being a, a, a rainy night. And I remember my mother yelling out my brother's name across the street. Um, Wanting him, wanting him to come outside and um, get in the car so we can go home. As she did so, I was getting out of the car myself and um, was in, standing in the parking lot. Um, and as she was calling my brother's name, a car came speeding down the street and hit my mother. Um, she was thrown into the air 
and landed hundreds of feet away from where she was standing. Um, from what I understand, she died almost instantly. It was a gruesome scene. It was a bloody scene. It was not only feet away from my grandmother's home, um, but she landed in a place that would become a place that I knew very well. Um, I was in shock, obviously very traumatized. Um, and ultimately I watched my mother die at my feet. And while the rest of the story is, you know, there's details that I could share and go on with. Um, the main point is that that incident was my first introduction into grief. My father would go on to lose everything, to lose our home in the suburbs, to lose his job and, um, grieve in different ways through both addiction and just life. And ultimately we moved back to South Norwalk. Um, I always lived with my father um, and we never actually lived in the projects again, but I was there daily. Both my grandmothers lived there um, again within feet of where my mother died and it became my home base. It was the center of my daily existence and um, the place where I grew up. Um, it was a hard place, but it was also a loving place. Um, in regards to this story, it was what I described to be the shadow of the valley of death. Because again, I had to grow up looking at the spot where my mother died almost daily. Um, I remember leaving for the prom from that spot, catching the school bus from that spot, um, the city bus, my grandmother's windows, both my grandmother's windows, my aunt's window, my friend's window, all were within um, feet of this spot where my mom died. And so it became this shadow that overpowered and overwhelmed um, and lived over my daily existence. That was in 1989. And as a child, I developed different ways of coping. Um, I became a very depressed child. I became a very isolated child. Um, luckily, I had people in my life who gave me tools for managing my grief. Um, one of those being a counselor that my dad sent to sent me to. And that counselor gave me a notebook and a pencil and told me to write until I felt better. I have been doing that ever since. And today I want to revisit one of those pieces of writing. So again, this happened in 1989. And um, over time, I collected, you know, a number of my mother's things, her address book, pictures, different little trinkets into a metal box. And it became kind of like, you know, her inheritance to me, you know, her reminders of her and all those different things. Um, but in 1998, I wrote her a letter. And I remember taking it to the cemetery where she was laid to rest. 
and leaving it for her on her headstone. I very quickly realized that it wasn't going to um, make it in the elements, you know, obviously rain and snow and all that stuff. So what I did was I saran wrapped the letter and left it there. Um, I don't remember how long I left it there, but because I visited her grave many times over the years, um, at some point I went back and retrieved the letter, saran wrap and all, and placed it in my box. And I've had it ever since. Unopened, um, secure, and preserved for almost, gosh, 34 years now something like that so today what I want to do is I want to open that letter and I want to revisit the ways in which I managed my grief so long ago so that noise that you hear is the saran wrap from that letter um, the letter says to Christine Mickle Ellis and in parentheses, it says mommy. And it's dated May 6th, 1998. So this is about 10 years after she died. So here we go. I'm opening the letter and we'll see what I had to say in 1998. I'm going to read the letter to you. It's dated May 6th, 1998, and it says, Dear Mommy, Words can't express what you mean to me. You left nine years ago, and I'm stronger for it. But if I could bring you back, I would do it in a flash. I love you, and you know this. Your little boy has grown up. But the things you taught me and the love you gave unconditionally will stay with me forever. <laughs> Do you remember throwing rocks in Duffy's Field or going to the library where everyone knew your name? Those were the times I loved. I miss you with all my heart and soul. But these nine years have been accepted by me. I wanted, I woke up this morning and I wanted to have a bad day, but I couldn't. I'm not over you, but I accept that you're not here. Daddy misses you with all his heart, too. Me and you know who he is, and I hope you accept his apologies. Anyways, nine years have gone by, and the last time I saw you, and the last time I heard you, was not the last time that my love for you grew. It still grows to this day. Just remember that your little boy loves you, and no one can make brownies like you. I love you. Drew.
I don't know what to say. I do know that, um, I don't know how that little boy found the strength to write those words. I was, gosh, I had to be 16, 17 when I wrote these words. And I am 41 today. And it's still hard. I can see how much I've grown, how, um, how much I've changed over the years. Um, I also see in this letter um, so many of the things that I continue to do to this day. I still remember her brownies. Um, I still remember Duffy's Field and throwing rocks in the water. I still remember her in so many ways. And honestly, that remembrance has followed me all of my life. And it's been one of the only things that has helped me to manage my grief. Um, I can't believe that I'm looking at a 30 year, a 30 year plus old letter. Um, I can't believe that I made it, that I've come so far. Um, there's so many emotions that are running through my heart and my mind right now. Um, but one that I feel as dominant and um, upfront is gratitude. I am thankful that I have never lost this letter. I'm thankful that I still have those memories. I'm thankful that I have come so far. I'm thankful for all of the work that I have done over my life to manage my grief, to remember my mother, to um, hold dear everything that she was and is and meant to me. I guess one of the reasons that I share this letter and this experience with you all is that there are ways in which we can manage our grief. For me, it has been writing in different forms all my life, whether it was letters, books, poems, essays, my journal, which is full of endless emotions and um nonsensical sentences at times um, but for me writing has always been that saving grace um, and I don't think that I would have made it this far without having a coping mechanism like it um, for you that may look completely different that coping mechanism may be exercise or um I don't know. It could be art. It could be music. It could be being around the people that you love. Um, there has to be something that allows you to manage, to cope, um, to survive through those moments of grief and sorrow and pain. 
because I do remember all the years where I felt like I had nothing to lean on, um, where I was confused and lonely and scared and all of the feelings that come with grief, all of the situations that I um, made it through. I always went back to the writing. It be Again, it became my saving grace, the thing that allowed me to keep going. And I don't know what that may be for you. I don't know what that coping mechanism may be for you. But I do know you You have to find one. If you want to survive your loss, if you want to thrive in it versus just existing in it, um, you have to find that thing that will carry you. Um, I hope to, sh to show and to share some of the ways in which others are grieving and carrying their losses through this podcast. Um, and I hope that you walk away from the things that you hear here, um, feeling encouraged and maybe equipped or strengthened for what comes next in your life, what comes next in your grieving process. Um, that really is my hope and my prayer. And even if that doesn't happen right away or in the time in which you would like it to happen, I hope that the Lost Library can be be of support. You know, a listening ear, a, a place where you hear stories like this and you're like, wow, that encourages me to keep going. The Lost Library has been a labor of love for a long time. Um, I have thought about um, doing things like this. Not, not only sharing my own story, but sharing the stories of others for a long time. And um, it's here. And it's available to you. And it's happening. Um, so again, it's another reason for me to be grateful. Because who would have thought that that night that was so full of blood and tears and rain and pain and grief could result in supporting others through similar situations. I don't think that we have to find meaning in the things that bring us pain, but when we do find it, if we find it, um, that can be a tremendous blessing. So I'm grateful for my story and my mother's story being used to encourage others. I want to encourage you to continue listening to this podcast. Um, the Lost Library, again, is a labor of love and it's growing. Um, and as it grows, I will share more of these stories and more of these experiences with you. Um, I have planned a lot of great interviews with so many different types of people um, who will share their stories as well. Um, and so please consider um, continuing to partner and listen to The Lost Library. Um, you can find it on all streaming platforms. So wherever you listen to podcasts, um, they will 
it will be available to you there. And so please, you know, do all the things like comment, subscribe, um, and enjoy. Um, you can also connect with me on my website. So again, um, The Lost Library is a Beyond Morning podcast. And Beyond Morning is my business where I support individuals through um, their end-of-life processes through both writing life stories and memoirs about their life and supporting them in physical ways through the end-of-life doula model. So that website is www.beyondmourning, B-E-Y-O-N-D-M-O-R-N-I-N-G dot O-R-G. And you can find me there, find ways to connect with me, find other resources and projects that I'm working on. And um, again, it's all meant to be of support and of assistance through your journey with grief, loss um, and all all the things. So, friends, thank you. Um, thank you so much for listening to this story. Um, and I want to thank you for listening to The Lost Library. Um, you have given me your time today, and for that I am grateful. My hope is that what you have heard has been helpful to your grieving process, and may you feel supported, held, seen, and heard. Please feel free to support The Lost Library by liking, commenting, and subscribing to us wherever you happen to listen to your podcasts. The Lost Library is a Beyond the Morning asset, hosted and produced by Garrett Drew Ellis and recorded both in person and online at The Candy Factory, a co-working space in Lancaster, Pennsylvania.